0: Welcome to Base Liberty, your source for politics. The government is way too big, way too intrusive, we are overtaxed. History. The right to self-defense is a natural, God-given right, the founders clearly understood this. Economics. We can't just keep printing off money, we can't just keep borrowing money. If you think this path is sustainable, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And more. From a Liberty perspective. I've got to disagree with you there, the income tax is clearly immoral. Because it assumes you don't own the fruit of your labor, the government With your host, Darren Wisely. Deregulation and decentralization are the answers if we're ever going to get this thing back on track. We need to look to families, churches, and charities, not the state. What's going on? Welcome to Base Liberty, episode 20. Darren Wisely here, so happy to be with you today on this Monday, October 5th, 2020. And we're going to start COVID week. I've tried to keep as little coverage as possible on this show regarding COVID. Quite frankly, I'm just sick of talking about it. It's all you hear about in the news. And I think there's a lot more interesting and intellectually stimulating topics to discuss. And just to break off and talk about something different. So I've avoided that, but the Karens are still strong and they're still spreading this fact-free hysteria. If you check my Facebook, you see some of them with their delusional arguments and I wanted to do a week talk about COVID, cut through all the propaganda so we have some so you guys have some good counterpoints to make. And what a better time to start that than after Friday's Michigan Supreme Court decision. So that's going to be the topic of today's episode. We're going to dissect that case so let's get right into it. On Friday, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled that Governor Gretchen Whitmer had no authority to issue or renew executive orders relating to COVID-19 beyond April 30th. So if you've been following, what's going or you live here in Michigan, you know comrade, I mean Governor Whitmer has been a tyrant drunk off her own power, issuing draconian shutdown measures and countless executive orders all by fiat, completely exceeding the scope of her authority as governor, and she just has no willingness to back down. She's doubled down on everything she's done. Uh, It's just crippling us here in Michigan. So this is a huge win, um... It's too bad it's five months later. You know, those Republicans in the legislature just let the courts sort it out. Oh, meanwhile, people are dying. They're losing their jobs. Businesses are closing for good. Our economy is going to be dampered for who knows how long. Years, definitely. Oh, just settle out in the courts. Well, here we are five months later. We got the answer. We all knew this was unconstitutional. We all knew she had no authority to do this, but uh, we got to wait for the courts to set it out. So Governor Whitmer was using two different Statutes, the Emergency Management Act of 1976 and the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act of 1945. And the reason it took so long to get here is because two lower courts sided with her. In May, Court of Claims Judge Cynthia Diane Stevens ruled that while Whitmer's action of redeclaring the same emergency violated the provisions of the state's Emergency Management Act, the legislature's challenges to Whitmer's use of the, executive, of the emergency powers of the Governor Act to issue executive orders are meritless. Stevens, of course a partisan hack, wrote that through two distinct acts, stated in plain and certain terms, the legislature has granted the governor broad but focused authority to respond to emergencies that affect the state and its people. So then this goes on to the Michigan Court of Appeals. In August, they uphold this ruling. They said, proceeding on the assumption that the legislature had standing to file suit, we hold that the governor's declaration of a state of emergency, her extensions of the state of emergency, and her issuance of related executive orders clearly fall within the scope of the governor's authority under the EPGA. We further hold that the EPGA does not violate the Separation of Powers Clause. We therefore decline to address whether the governor was additionally authorized to to take those same measures under the EMA and whether the governor violated the EMA. Those matters are moot. Finally, we hold there's no basis to reverse the order of the Court of Claims denying the motion to intervene. Oh yeah, this is this is plain and uncertain. Gotcha. Good grief. Plain and uncertain terms. But thankfully the Michigan Supreme Court did deliver justice saying Whitmer has does not have the authority under the EMA to redeclare a state of emergency or disaster based on the pandemic and that the EPGA was an unlawful delegation of legislative power to the executive branch in violation of the Michigan Constitution. Accordingly, the executive orders issued by the governor in response to the COVID-19 pandemic now lack any basis under Michigan law. So I did watch the oral arguments... (laughs) from about three weeks ago. You can check those out. They're on YouTube. If you need help, find the link. Shoot me an email. I'm happy to point you there. (laughs) And I just got to say, the fact that they're arguing in front of the Michigan Supreme Court over Zoom just shows how stupid the times we live in. (laughs) But that's besides the point. So, in the arguments, um, you did have Catherine Henry, who you might know from the Restore Freedom Initiative, join in with the plaintiffs. She argued for a few minutes. Here's what she had to say. Uh, I also want to take a moment to point out that as of today, this state of emergency has actually lasted 183 full days or six full months. And uh, more importantly is that our U.S. and our state constitutions do not contain language allowing either the trampling of our individual liberties or the government in any branch uh, or even collectively with all 3 to step outside of its given authority even just for five minutes, even just in times of emergency. In fact, our state constitution, Article 4, Section 39, specifically requires state and local government operations to continue in periods of emergency. So while I would agree that the executive orders were lawful for the first 51 days, as uh, referenced in the plaintiff's reply brief, I believe, they were never constitutional. And I thought what she said was really good because there is no pandemic clause to the state or federal constitutions. And the reason we have constitutions is exactly for situations like this, pandemics, wars, natural disasters, when the gut reaction of government is to do too much, which would usurp liberty in the process. But clearly, define limits on government is exactly why we have constitutions. If they don't impose those, then they're absolutely pointless. So I'm going to get into what the attorney for the governor had to say because it's very telling about the position Governor Whitmer holds in this. And it's very telling how they fundamentally do not understand the proper role of government. The proper role of government is not to keep us safe. It is to protect liberty. That is it. It's on you, the individual, to take care of, of yourself. Not Governor Whitmer. Not any government official. So this attorney, I got to say, he's super annoying. He's super erratic. Usually attorneys are going to have somewhat of, of composure when he gets worked up. He starts being loud. He starts talking really fast. He draws these conclusions from these really just irrelevant arguments. Sometimes he just has non-sequiturs, what he's saying. He's borderline rude with the judges. Now, I can respect zealous advocacy, but he cuts them off sometimes. And he has this habit of not answering the questions, which even the the justices say, well, you didn't even answer my question Uh, because he's just talking around so much. And that's what these people do. That's what the governor's done. That's what all the COVID Karens do. You know, they make their empty platitude, and when you start digging below the surface to try to find some rhyme or reason, even just objectively, they have nowhere to go, so they start having to use a circular logic, and you see a lot of that in here. He's comparing it to wildfires. Well, this is like a wildfire. If this was raging, uh, killing people, you have to do something about it. Really? This is like a Wildfire? I think the most interesting part of this argument was his somewhat lengthy exchange with Justice Viviano. And Viviano is asking some very pointed um, but important questions that, that have been glossed over for far too long than he'd answered. And he says to Justice Viviano, if it weren't for the governor's actions, there'd be two to three times more deaths which is just absurd, two to three. She killed people by, Governor Whitmer is a murder, at the very least negligent homicide, manslaughter, because she threw sick people in nursing homes with old people, resulting in their death, okay? People died because of her. She didn't save lives. This attorney said there'd be two to three times more death if it weren't for Governor Whitmer taking the action she did. Justice Viviano says, that is a claim that's difficult to prove and easy to assert. <laughs> and I, I love that, that little quip. I mean, maybe he's got some of that Scalia type, you know, Italian humor in him, uh, but it's so true, and I'm glad he didn't just take that crap because so many people when they hear stuff, they go, eh, you know, how do you prove that?" They go on, uh, they're d- discussing the meaning of of the statute the governor's using. And Justice Viviano says, Is this not the largest use of executive power in Michigan history? And the attorney kind of starts stumbling around well, in this state, they did this. And and Viviano points back, no, I said in Michigan history. And of course, there is no time a uh, governor has tried to use power of this magnitude. So the attorney's got no answer. And Viviano goes on to say, based on the statute, is there any precedent in the last 70 years that it was used for a similar situation uh, as it is now with COVID? And the attorney, again, starts dancing around, kind of talking around, getting flustered. He's got nothing because it hasn't. The statute's been on the books in, for 70 years and has never been used like this. That is telling about what this statute means. Viviano goes on to talk about how there was a lot of deaths per capita in the 50s and 60s. It wasn't used then. This whole thing is unprecedented. He points to the statute was being used for riots race riots, civil unrest in Detroit. Not a disease, not a flu. So this attorney is just trying to completely twist and expand this statute to justify what the governor is doing. And this attorney says, well, this statute talks about public safety, Public health is a part of public safety. And Viviano says, wait, the statute doesn't say to interpret it as broadly as possible. Again, another, you know, great point he makes in there. Just great, sharp point. Because this attorney is trying to say that the statute covers public health because it talks about public safety. But Viviano goes on to say, wasn't the legislature smart enough to know the difference between the two words? Because other states have public health statutes. Michigan statute doesn't say anything about public health specifically. If they wanted it in there, wouldn't they have used that word? Again, the attorney has no real good point to there. So the exchange goes on and the attorney is trying to draw precedent from an eminent domain case. (laughs) And Viviano has another sharp point Weren't a lot of people not allowed to use their property during the stay-at-home order? I must have been reading the wrong newspaper. (laughs) That one gave me a good laugh because it's so true. Um, This isn't that different from eminent domain because they're not letting you use your property. They're not letting you travel. They're not letting you earn a living. How is it any different from taking your house from you, from destroying your church? They don't want you going there. So that exchange was really good. Um, Justice Viviano really got to the heart of this, and it really exposes the governor's position of, of really just how much she wrenches the statute to get her way. And that's the problem with politicians. No matter how well you write a statute, they're going to try to twist it to mean whatever is convenient for their political agenda. Now, Justice Bernstein, who is highly problematic, giving you that Bernstein advantage, also raises some good points to his credit. And the most important thing I draw drew out of Justice Bernstein's questions for this attorney, and I wish I remembered his name, but I'm not going to go through a three and a half hour video again to find it. The thing Justice Bernstein's really concerned with, when will this end? He's much more sympathetic to the use of these powers, but he doesn't, he's concerned about the indefiniteness of it. When's it going to end? Who decides when it ends? And he also points out that, you know, the governor has all these stupid stage things. Stage six is her goal. Well, at stage six, that's zero deaths. How can we reach stage six? When this supposed vaccine that's going to come out is only going to be 60-70% effective. If we get, get one at all, that would be my point. But he's saying 60-70%, which is true. If it's 60-70% effective, how can we get zero deaths? I mean, I think a second grader could figure that one out. That ain't happening. So the attorney really fumbles around with that. But that is a really good point by Justice Bernstein. And this question of who decides... You know, as Governor Whitmer, she probably wants to be the one deciding. Well, if it's up to her, it's going to be never. The attorney says, well, well, we can settle in the courts. Oh, like they're doing just now? This took five months. So the attorney's position is that the courts, they can have more hearings in the future to determine when this shuts down. That is absurd. The courts can decide when the shutdowns end. When the governor's power for this pandemic ends. Ridiculous. There's never going to be zero deaths. There's never going to be a perfect vaccine. Not everyone's going to take the vaccine. I sure as hell am not. (sighs) These people think they can do whatever they want and when called out on it. They double down, and then they become more tyrannical. Oral arguments were very telling. Now, get into the opinion a little. It is over 100 pages. You can find that. If you want me to send you that link, I can do that as well. So the opinion says that under the EMA, the governor only possessed the authority to declare a state of emergency once and then terminate and then had to terminate it um, when it was not authorized. So what she's doing is issuing a declaration, terminating it herself after the time period's up, and then just redeclaring it. I mean, it's so stupid. Of course you can't do that, but we have to wait five months later to figure out, you know, the Captain Obvious up there. Because what she's doing. She's she's acting as a queen, making laws herself. Don't worry about the legislature. You know, they're just... uh, they're like the Duma, right? They're for show. And then with the EPGA, it was an unlawful delegation of legislative power and unconstitutional under Article 3, Section 2 of the Michigan Constitution. It prohibits exercise of the legislative power by the executive branch. Finally, the unlawful delegation of power was not severable from the EPGA as a whole because EPGA is inoperative when the power to protect life, liberty, and property is severed from the remainder of the EPGA. Accordingly, the EPGA was unconstitutional in its entirety. That is strong and that is good. That is going to be good precedent moving forward that the legislature You are elected to go up there and represent your constituents. Not up there to sit up there, do nothing, collect a check, and let the governor act as a king or queen. So the non-delegation doctrine in a Republican form of government says that the legislature cannot delegate their lawmaking authority to the executive, which is absolutely right, true, the way it should be. So that whole statute is unconstitutional, which is great. Um, Now we don't have to worry about repealing it or anything like that, because they can't use it. So definitely a victory for us in Michigan, or if you're just a fan of liberty, with this decision today. Now this Justice Bernstein. He's the guy, if you're from Michigan, you know who he is. He's part of the Bernstein Advantage. These uh, high-profile lawyers on all these commercials, which probably explains how easy it was to get for him to get in the Supreme Court. They're Democrats, they're liberal. Um, even though I, I appreciated um, what it seemed to be objectivity in the oral arguments, there's some really just ridiculous things he says. So he dissents regarding the non-delegation doctrine. Um, the opinion was unanimous in regards to the governor's Reissuing her own orders, uh, without legislative approval being unconstitutional. So, and that's something the mainstream media doesn't point out. You know, on CNN, they give you a little Michigan Supreme Court strikes it down. They say very quickly what the holding is. And then they just go on to what Whitmer's response were and what the lower court said. There's more about what the lower court said than what the Supreme Court said. They're so biased. But they don't say this was a unanimous decision, at least in regard to. The first issue, well, I mean, which should show because three of them were, quote, Democrat, four, Republican, even though they're all supposed to be nonpartisan. So regardless of their philosophy, they all agreed on that, which is telling. It's not just a conservative, liberal, or whatever opinion that she went way beyond the scope of her authority. It is objectively true that she acted unconstitutional. That is an important point. It's not just based on some obscure reading. Of the Constitution. It's based on objective truth. Now the second point. There was more disagreement with non-delegation. Now Justice Bernstein. Doesn't think the EPGA is unconstitutional. He quotes the Bible. Talking about how an individual is wielding their power. <laughs> um, okay. He quotes Madison and the Federalists. He quotes Montesquieu. I just don't see the relevance here. He quotes Madison in Federalist 51. What does that have to, what does Federalist 51 have to do? Well, he's talking about checks and balances. But that goes against your point. That's what's so silly about it. And then he says, because I agree with Chief Justice McCormick, that a straightforward application of that test leads to the conclusion that the EPGA satisfies the constitutional principle of the separation of powers, I would leave to the Supreme Court of the United States to determine whether it's now time to revisit the non-delegation doctrine. And his footnote is to Hamilton. Footnote 10 is, Alexander Hamilton has stated in referring to executive power, it is far more safe that there should be a single object for the jealousy and watchfulness of the people, that's from Federalist 70. Yeah, of course you're going to quote Hamilton to say that the governor needs more power. Hamilton wanted a king. <laughs> it all makes sense. It all makes sense. I Check out my Hamilton episode if you haven't watched that and you'll you'll see what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, we don't need one person to watch over us. I believe we fought a war over that or something. I don't know. So those are some takeaways from the oral arguments to the opinion. Of course, if you want more detail, those are both publicly available. I thought you might enjoy a discussion of Her Highness Governor Whitmer's response. Today's Supreme Court ruling, handed down by a narrow majority of Republican justices, is deeply disappointing and I vehemently disagree with the court's interpretation of the Michigan Constitution, she said. Right now, every state and the federal government have some form of declared emergency. With this decision, Michigan will become the sole outlier at a time when the Upper Peninsula is experiencing rates of COVID infection not seen in our state since April. Well, first off, all the justices agreed on the first point. So, I mean, she knows most people aren't going to read a 110-page opinion. (laughs) So it's real easy to get that soundbite um sole outlier yeah we're the sole outlier now because we're the most shut down state we have some of the worst death rates (laughs) we're the outlier now Oh my, she's ridiculous um she's a tyrant and and that's thing now she's trying to skew public we're the out yeah we're the outlier now we're not gonna be the outlier by doing what everyone else is doing by starting to be more free We're the outlier because we're not free. She also said the court's ruling would not take effect for at least 21 days and that her emergency declaration orders would remain in place until then. (laughs) That's also not true. (laughs) She's just so power-hungry. Well, they said this, but I still have 21 more days that you have to follow me. (laughs) Oh, I just would love to see the look on her face as her power slips through her fingertips. You still have to follow my laws for 21 days. I'm the boss. Okay, Gretchen. It is a good day seeing her and her evil allies disappointed. I mean, this is going to go down in history. The damage done... To our state with depression, suicide, job loss, domestic violence, drug and alcohol, uh, substance abuse. And again, throwing sick people into nursing homes. Disgusting. So I'll wrap up with this. um, Another response in the aftermath to this ruling. Senator Mike Shirky, the most powerful Republican in the state of Michigan... WILX says, on Friday, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey issued the following statement in response to the Michigan Supreme Court's ruling on the governor's emergency powers. The ruling is great news for Michigan. The courts have ruled in favor of a government system of checks and balances, and citizens will benefit the most. The ruling does not alter our collective responsibility to protect ourselves and others by wearing masks, social distancing, and washing our hands. The virus still presents a threat to our health, and we must be vigilant in our actions. The Senate stands ready to work with the governor to do what is necessary for Michigan to lead by example by informing, inspiring, and enabling citizens to do what's necessary and responsible. <laughs> and then there's there's some more flowery BS. It doesn't matter. But Okay, okay. Collective responsibility? Easy there, Karl Marx. I'm so sick of this. We're all in this together. No, we're not. The people who have nothing to lose by the shutdowns want you to think we're all in this together. My Cherky's still getting a check, regardless of the outcome. Really, you're all in this together? As I said, what about people going through depression? People who have had a loved one kill themselves. People who've had a family member die because the governor... Put sick people in a nursing home with their elderly relatives. What about divorces? Businesses closing for good? That's not a collective responsibility. Yes, protect yourself. It's not collective. That's just garbage. This statement is garbage. (laughs) Lead by example, informing, inspiring, and enabling. Okay, Shakespeare. You guys sick of empty platitudes yet? I sure am. While you sat on your hands and did nothing, and you give us this crap. Talk about a collective responsibility. Give me a break. So with that, hey, um, I'm, I'm sure this week will give us a lot of interesting drama in the aftermath of this decision. I'm sure Governor Whitmer will have a new rabbit to pull out of the hat because we all know she's never done trying to grab more power i'm sure she's not going to settle here one thing i'd really like to add i like that this was decided at the michigan supreme court as you can see they did justice even though our lower courts really sucked but everyone and even governor whitmer i forgot to touch on this was talking about the u.s supreme court what does the u.s supreme court have to do with this we're talking about michigan law and the michigan constitution Everyone's gut is always, well, let's take it to the U.S. Supreme Court. Why? I mean, if you go through my past episodes, you know they don't preserve liberty. It's our state law. Let our state courts settle it. They are best suited to understand our law, understand the history, what the statutes meant when they were written. And here they did the right thing, which I'm very pleased. So we'll see what her response is. You know, the Republican elected officials are going to act like they're champions. They didn't do anything, so don't let them do that. A lot of them didn't even care. Now, not all. I'm not saying it about all of them, but a lot of them, it doesn't affect them. They're in their ivory towers. They're getting a check. They have something to whine about and say, well, I I wish I could do something, but I can't. Make sure to vote for me and donate to my campaign. I mean, same thing at the federal level, right? And I've talked about it with Obamacare. John McCain, we'll settle it in the courts. And how'd that go? I'm just glad this one went good for us in Michigan. So, great way to uh, start COVID week. We'll have more COVID coverage for you. And just want to say, if you like what we're doing, like, share, and subscribe. This show has been viewed in seven different countries now. I'm real excited about it. And if you want to write a review, if you want to share it with your friends, it'll mean so much. Um, you know, I did watch a three-and-a-half-hour video and over 110-page opinion for you guys. So, hey, it's something free you can do to help us out, help, you, help us keep bringing more great content. As always, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for listening. Don't give in to tyranny, and we'll talk to you soon.